Welcome back, everybody, in Canada with God Time right now. You are with Lyle and Minnie. We are about to get into our Bible study. Uh, Bible study time. Before we get into our Bible study, just a quick reminder that uh, if you are listening to The Breakfast Show and it is not Wednesday. It's Wednesday today. It's Wednesday today. Oh, yeah. I forgot for a sec. If you're listening to the show and it's not Wednesday, then you're listening to the delayed broadcast, which is kind of sad. Oh. Yeah. So if you're listening to the delayed broadcast, then the really easy way to listen to the live broadcast is with the Faith FM app. The app's awesome because you get all kinds of extra stuff. You've got all of the uh, podcasts there. You can catch up on all the different shows. You can listen to all of your favorites from all over the place um, and just yeah, get the app, explore through it, see what else you can do. You can make contributions to Faith FM, which is uh, really Brilliant. nice. Yeah, so grab the app, Faith FM Australia, it's called. It's the one with the white background and the red squiggly line. <laughs> I like the red squiggly line. Because I've seen it, I'm like, yeah, that's actually a great way to explain it. <laughs> yeah, a white background and a red squiggly line. There is other Faith FMs out there, like an American one. Oh, you see, so you're going to get the Australian you get the right one. one. got to get the right one. Mini, Bible study time, book of Acts. Where are we going today? What are we talking about? Acts chapter 7, verse 55. Okay, let me let's find head it. over there very quickly and let's see what the Bible has to say for us. Our Bible message for the day. 20 million movement. Did you just tell me Acts chapter 7? Is that right? I did tell you Acts chapter yeah, 7. Sure. Was I not supposed to tell no, you No, no, no. I just I left my Bible at home, which is very annoying because I had a late night, early morning, as we discussed. I um, Oh, right brilliant. There. Oh, fabulous. I have it on my phone, but it's just not the same. You know when you know where things are in your head? You're like, yeah, it's at the top of the page, da, da, da. And then you're on a phone, I'm like, where is this? Okay, so uh, that Bible won't be the same. But that's okay. That's, that's all right. It's but paper. But it's nice. It's paper. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You prefer paper to uh, screen? Do. You do. Oh, okay, there you go. I grew up as a very avid reader, and like we didn't have TV and we didn't have much technology. So like just the feel of a book, oh, it's good. You know what I love about books? Tell me. They don't go flat. Yeah, you know, it is ideal. They do not go flat. Although They're never going to run out of battery. But you do need a light if it's night time to read them. True. But they make so you sleepier. If you're stay on your present. phone, wakes me up. But if I read a book, it makes me sleepy. Like I want to sleep at night. Is this a good thing or is it a bad thing? Well, it's a good thing because I think, yeah, look, technology can get in the way of my sleep time at times. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, it's actually a very good thing because the light from the screen of your phone or, or, or your computer actually messes really, really badly with your sleep patterns. Yeah, I believe that. And you shouldn't be looking at a screen, you know, in the last half hour, at the very minimum before you go to bed at night mm. because it will, um, yeah, mess. my sleep patterns have been a bit messed lately. Maybe I've been looking at screens before <laughs> going to sleep. Okay, let's, uh, let's not go there. Let's talk about Acts chapter 7 and verse 55. And let's talk about the acts of the Holy Spirit. How did the Holy Spirit minister to the witnessing disciples in this verse? Okay, so Acts 7 verse 55 is, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Okay, so what's about to happen to Stephen in this story? He's about to die. Yes. Mm. And he knows that. Mm. He's known that for a little while now because he saw it on the faces of the people that he was preaching to. This was the Sanhedrin. This was the court, the Jewish court Mm. uh, that he was in. And he preaches a powerful sermon. But in his powerful sermon, he's going through the history of Israel. Everybody's sitting there agreeing with him. He comes to Jesus Christ. And in the moment that he comes to Jesus Christ, in the moment that he talks about you know God living in a temple not made with hands, uh, they see that as being a... A slur mm. on their religion, 
and on their temple. And immediately they're like, that's it. We're going to kill this guy. He recognizes it. Um, and so he kind of like, he's like, I've only got a few sentences left. And so he just lets go with both barrels. Aye. And we were talking yesterday about how there were some priests that were converted, you know, after they killed Jesus. But this is quite a few years later and there is still some rage at this message, you know. There's, There's significant yeah, rage. It's definitely still there that, no, this is not, you know, and that, that hardness of heart and hatred of heart still very much exists because of this message. Yes. Mm. So there is significant rage there. And as a result of that, they're going to kill him. And that would be a really, really challenging situation to be in. Mm, absolutely. Knowing that you're about to die, knowing that you're about to be executed, you kind of wonder what goes through a person's mind at that particular point. People who have been there have had various experiences of what they have thought about during experiences like that and obviously survived to tell the story. Stephen did not. And God does something special for Stephen. Yeah. What is God doing for Stephen right here? Well, he gives him a picture into what's happening in heaven. And what does he see in heaven? Jesus. And what is Jesus doing? He's standing next to God. He's standing next mm -hmm. to God. Okay, now that's an interesting passage right there. We probably shouldn't get too sidetracked into it. Let me dig out my Bible here for a moment. <laughs> and let's go to Hebrews chapter 8. And by the way, there are a bunch of verses in the Bible that are going to say the same thing that we're going to read here in Hebrews chapter 8. Mm. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1, please, Minnie. Here is the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. Okay, so what's different about this verse? In Jesus is sitting instead of standing. Okay, that's, that's a subtle difference. Mm -hmm. It's an important difference. Let me see if I can find another verse here because you're going to find throughout the New Testament that Jesus goes to heaven and he sits down on the right hand of the Father. Uh, uh, Mark, no, yes, Mark, chapter 16. Mark, chapter 16 and verse 19. If you could read that one for us, please, Minnie. Sure could. 16 Mark 16, verse 19. Is... And I want you to catch the symbolism of this. Mm. Okay, when, go. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. So everywhere you look in the New Testament, every reference to the throne room of God that there is in the New Testament, you have Jesus sitting down. Mm. Now, does that mean that Jesus went to heaven, sat down, and done anything else since? No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, but this is the message that the, the Bible is communicating to us, that he goes there and he sits on the right hand of the Father. Mm. Except when it comes to Stephen's case, Aye. where he stands up. And there is one other exception. And that is in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. And what we're going to look at is, uh, we are getting sidetracked here, but it's a really, really <laughs> cool little point. Uh, what we're going to look at is what is similar about these two passages. So, Ma, uh, sorry, what was Daniel, Daniel chapter 12, 12 verse, verse 1. 1? Okay. At that time, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation, will arise. Then there will be a time of ang anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Ah. Okay. Mm. All right. Do you see some similarities here? I do. So what is Jesus doing in this verse? In this verse? Yes. He's standing up to guard. Hey, he stands up. Yeah. 
He the righteous, up. those who will be in the book of life. Okay, so one of our listeners has texted in and made this really interesting point. Don't forget that the devil is the father of lies, now being used for total control through fear. Mm. And we've just been talking you know, with David Haupt about the effect of fear and anxiety and how it drags us down in our world. We need to remember at times like this that we have Jesus who will stand for us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so the other thing that is uh, significant about these two passages is that in Acts chapter 7, what you have is the end of the Jewish nation being God's church. Mm. The gospel is about to go to the Gentiles. In the next couple of verses, the gospel goes to the Gentiles, and now the Christian church is the church. And so you've got a, a close of probation on the Jewish church, and you've got the beginning of a new phase. Go to Daniel chapter 12. Michael stands up. Jesus stands up. The great prince which stands for the children of your people. There's a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, the Bible says, your people will be delivered. Once again, there is a close of probation. There is a change that is taking place. Jesus is about to come back to this world. uh, And the next phase of of the great controversy is about to begin. Mm. So you go from you know the Jewish church to the Christian church, Jesus stands up. You go from the Christian church to the millennium, Jesus stands up. Yeah. And so we've got symbolism here in what Jesus is doing and it is marking specific events that are taking place. Hmm. But the cool thing about it is that in both of these instances, okay, in Daniel chapter 12, God's people are delivered. Yes. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen dies, and that's tragic. But in both of them, Jesus is there. Yes. And in our lives, sometimes we will be delivered, and sometimes we will face adversity. But it does not matter, because in both of those circumstances, Jesus will be there, and that's what's important. Yeah. Heart out. <laughs> when Jesus when Jesus came to the three worthies in the fiery furnace, mm. he was standing amongst them. Yeah. He stood there with them because they were going through a, a period of adversity. They, like Stephen, had probably gone, well, these are our, 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 our last moments and were thrown into the fiery furnace. They would have had all of those thoughts that go through a person's mind in the last moments of their life. And Jesus is there. And Mm. this is something we need to remember whenever we face adversity, particularly major crises, that Jesus is there. And Jesus is standing for us. Jesus will stand for you. Mm. And I think that's, sorry, this is continuing on with our little side tangent. (laughs) Yes. I remember I found a journal um, entry I had made like last year sometime. I didn't even remember about it. Um, The end of... Hebrews 11, you know, we often refer to it as the faith chapter. And it talks about, yeah, you know, some people like lion's mouths were closed. Women had their sons raised from the dead. Um, but then it also goes and say, you know, but some were sworn in half. Some were sworn, you know. And I remember writing, um, do I want the faith of miracles but not the faith of persecution? You know, like Jesus is always there. And almost. That's a very profound God statement. is calling us to obedience and to trust. And the consequences are almost none of my business. Because God is still with me and God is still good. Does that make sense? It does. It makes so much sense, particularly in the context of today's world where there is so much fear. Mm, Yeah. 
the second wave is hitting us here in Australia. You've got BLM riots in America. You know, there are lots of places in the world where there is a lot of fear. And our world is being driven by fear, and fear is created primarily by lies, as has been uh, pointed out this morning. And uh, knowing that you are, that you know, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Mm. Uh, knowing that you are with Jesus and Jesus is with you is what drives out fear. Because so often, I mean, let's face it, you know, you, you jump on your screen at the beginning of the day and, you know, you read everything that's coming through from social media, you read everything that's coming through from the news sites, and it's like, well, what do you believe and what do you not believe? Mm, yeah, fully. <laughs> and the news sites are there because remember, David Haupt t- talked about this. The news sites are there basically to peddle fear. Mm. And this is why he was saying, look, you need to switch your news off and you need to switch your social media off, uh, particularly if you are struggling with uh, mental health issues because they are going to drive fear. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Mm. And the problem is, how do you believe everything that comes, anything that comes across your screen these days? Seriously. Okay, Acts chapter 8 and verse 29. Let's move on with our Bible study. Acts 8 and verse 29. Reads, The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. Interesting verse. Mm. Okay. What, what, what's, the, what's the lesson that you are drawing out from this one? Um, that the Holy Spirit speaks. Okay, that's sure. a really that's a really good that's a really good that's a really good thought. Yes, uh, because if the Holy Spirit was just you know some vague force or energy or power that was out there, it wouldn't really have a voice. Mm. Okay, it does help to have some context for this verse, though. All right. Okay, <laughs> give us some context, Minnie. What's the story all about? This is uh, Philip. Yep. So Philip is basically going. Um, he's on this road, and then he sees. Why is he on the road? Why is he on the do you, road? Do you remember the story of why he's on the road? I'll tell you the story of why he's on the road. Oh, tell me. He's on the road because the Holy Spirit go and walk, said, go and walk on this road. Oh, and it's yeah. like out in the middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. This, is, this is in the desert. <laughs> it's like the Holy Spirit coming to your mini and saying, I want you to go and do a road trip down uh, X back road somewhere uh, near, somewhere 100 300 kilometers behind Burke. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's get and you look at it on Google Maps and it doesn't even come up on Google Maps. Yep. And it's like remote and it's out there and it's in the desert. And you're like, why? Yeah. <laughs> okay, but the Holy Spirit tells Philip to go to the desert. Mm. Philip goes to the he desert. Goes. Mm. There is a chariot going past in the desert. Philip is a poor evangelist. The chariot going past is a chariot of royalty. Yeah, you kind of feel a little bit like, okay, if you're out in the middle of nowhere and I'm in my beat-up old four-wheel drive ute and, you know, a Ferrari comes past, do I go and talk to the owner? <laughs> uh, Liam is nodding his head. Like, Definitely yes. yes. Well, actually, I would. Uh, you know I would. Yeah, Particularly you if would. it pulled over. <laughs> I would. I just, okay, I have to fess up. But uh, you would feel in a bit of a different league, wouldn't oh, you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We, we're human beings and we, we notice these kinds of things. Mm. So the Holy Spirit says, go and talk. So he does, again. He does. And what I see taking place here, and of course, as a result of that, the Ethiopian is converted. As a result of that, uh, the Ethiopian court is converted. Mm. As a result of that, Ethiopia becomes the longest continuous Christian nation in the world to this day. Wow. Uh, The only nation in Africa that was never colonized. Wow. Yes. I didn't know that. Very interesting place, so much interesting history in Ethiopia. 
but we need to not be distracted by that. <laughs> but what we've got here is that God has is working through the Holy Spirit in different ways. Yes. One is the Holy Spirit reveals to Stephen that, okay, you're going to go through a bad time right now. You're going to die. I'm with you. Mm. Here, the Holy Spirit is like, okay, Philip, I've got this. Mm. Yeah. You need to go and talk to this person. This is this. Is, I've got this all. Under, I've got this all sorted out. Because <laughs> now, here's the thing: he could have sent Philip to talk to the Ethiopian while the Ethiopian was in Jerusalem. Oh, yeah. And Philip wouldn't have had to go for a long hike out into the desert. Yeah. But when the Ethiopian was in Jerusalem, he wasn't reading Isaiah chapter fifty-three. Uh-huh. He was probably reading Isaiah chapter four. It's not until he gets to the desert that he's reading Isaiah chapter 53. And just as he gets to those verses, God says, okay, wait, 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 wait for it, wait for it. Now go and talk to him. (laughs) Boom. God's timing. Right on time. Okay, Acts chapter 11, verse 15. We've got a bunch of verses from the book of Acts this week to dig into. The Acts of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay, Acts 15, 28 and 29. 15, didn't you just say 11? I said 15. Sorry. We, uh, no, I did. Oh. I did. I did. I said 11. Okay, that's right. I was just like, I'm so confused. My brain didn't hear that at all. <laughs> 11 verse 15. 15. Okay, cool. 11 verse um, 15. As I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is an interesting story. Peter is doing something just ridiculously radical in those days. Unimaginable. He went into the house mm. of a Gentile. Uh, can you imagine? <laughs> How weird would that be? I was going to say, I actually don't he, think I can imagine because he, I don't know that. Yeah, because you are a yeah. Gentile. <laughs> you are a Gentile, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then, so, so, uh, so he goes into this house of a Gentile and he eats food there and he touches Gentile things and Gentile mm. people. And for Peter in those days, that was a very, very radical thing to be doing. And then he witnesses to those Gentiles, and then the Holy Spirit is poured out on those Gentiles, and that really blows his mind. And it's like, okay, when someone's received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how do you stop them from receiving baptism by water? This was a new idea for the Jewish church in that era, but it was radical and life-changing. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, where are we up to? Let's now go to Acts chapter 15, verse 28 and 29. Acts 15, verse 28 and 29. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will be well. Farewell. Okay. How does the Holy Spirit minister to the witness disciples in this particular experience in these verses right here? It gives them guidance on lifestyle. It's an interesting passage because this is the Jerusalem Council. This is the first great church council that was ever held. One of the major issues, or one of the major issues, of course, was circumcision, but the real issue was okay, what do we have that is Jewish culture? Mm. And what do we have that is a biblical moral mandate? Yeah. And so they're going out to the Gentiles. This is a new thing that's never been hap- never happened before. And they're saying, okay, when we go out to the Gentiles, do they need to accept Jewish culture as well as biblical moral mandates? And if so, what is a biblical moral mandate and what is just Jewish culture? Yes. 
particularly the issue of circumcision. Now, the issue of circumcision is is a specific one because you do find in the Bible it was something that was given to Abraham. And they're asking the question, okay, that was given to Abraham as a sign, as a covenant sign of his people. Mm. Is the covenant sign of God's people as Abraham's descendants still required for people who are not descendants of Abraham? And, of course, the Holy Spirit reveals to them and says, no, it's not required. Yes. But then the Holy Spirit also reveals and points out a few things. Okay, Jewish people, you know, they don't eat unclean meats. They eat kosher kosher meat. Mm. And the Holy Spirit's like, okay, this this one's actually a biblical mandate. This is for all generations at all mm. times because this is a health principle. And we don't want just Jewish people to be healthy. Yes. The Holy Spirit also points out the Ten Commandments, you know, things like thou shalt not have any carved images, idols, and so forth. And the Holy Spirit says, you know, the Ten Commandments this is a biblical moral mandate for all people. These are these are things that are for everyone. And so the Holy Spirit is giving them very specific guidance. And this is really important because you can imagine what this council was like when they've got together. You've got people like Paul who is advocating for no circumcision, no Jewish culture. If you have Greek culture, then stay with your Greek culture. Mm. Uh, become a Christian. But you don't have to change your culture. Now, if there are parts of your culture that are unbiblical, then obviously those parts of your culture you get rid of. But you don't have to stop being Greek and become Jew mm. to become a Christian. Become a Christian. Well, you don't have to stop being a Roman and become a Jew to become a Christian. Or wherever you come from, Ethiopia, uh, that we were just reading about a moment ago. And it's one of the beautiful things about our world is that our world has developed such a rich variety of cultures. Mm. I believe that God created us that way to be diverse. When you look at human beings, every human being is different. Every human being is diverse. Same as when you look at a snowflake. Every snowflake is different. It is diverse. God loves diversity. You look at trees, you'll never see two trees that are exactly the mm. same. When you look at the natural world, God loves diversity. And so diverse cultures are a great thing. There is no such thing as a biblical culture. But this is very but, hard in practice to actually do. Oh, yeah. Like I <laughs> I remember talking to quite a few people over the past couple of years and saying, is it actually really possible as church, as humans, to do multicultural church? Because we either seem to, in, in my experience, and I'm not criticizing academic, but we seem to either go monoculture, we'll just all become the one same thing, like you conform to this. Or it's, oh, well, you do your thing and I'll do mine, but there's still like a slight division between us. It's still not, let's do different, but together. Does that make sense? Like we just don't really know how as humans <laughs> sure. truly operate. Having worked in Sydney for 21 years, I think it was, where you where all churches are multicultural. There's no mm. such thing as multicultural churches in Sydney because that's every church. Yes. You know, I go to major, major churches down there and there's like three people in the church that have been born in Australia. <laughs> it's just the yeah. nature of working in Sydney. Yes. And in Sydney you have a variety. So you have, and of course this is in the context of the Seventh-day Adventist Church because our uh, Faith FM is owned by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So within that context, what you find is that you have, and this is just my personal experience, you have some churches like we're going to be a Spanish church, we're going to be a Korean church, we're going to be a Chinese church, whatever it might be. And so they like to maintain the culture of the country that they left at the time that they left it. Yes. It's interesting how they evolve because they often maintain a culture 
that kind of doesn't exist in their country because their country moves on and mm. changes and they just stick with, you know, the culture of the time of when they left. That's fine, you know, whatever whatever, you know, they feel comfortable with and whatever they can use for good evangelism. Then you have other churches that are like, no, nah, we're just everyone, you know. Uh, we had a church in Marrickville. We had 55 people. We had 26 different nationalities <gasps> within 55 people. Hey. And in that kind of environment, you don't have a specific culture except for that, the culture that that particular congregation develops. Mm. So it kind of turns into nice mud. <laughs> All blended together. Beautiful. It's just the best. I liked it the best. That was actually my favorite. Yeah. You know, particularly because, you know, you could have a multicultural uh, church luncheon, for instance, and everybody brings something from, and there's just, you know, this full variety of every different flavor on the planet. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. But that was what was happening in the Jerusalem Council. Mm. Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. 6 through 10. Okay, so next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia? I don't know. And Galatia? Because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming into the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Okay, this is an interesting passage because this is the point at which the gospel goes to Europe for the first time. Mm. And when you see the direction that they take, the journey that they take, it's like they want to go into Asia. It's like, yes, we've been called to Asia. So Paul and Silas, like they've got their eyes focused on Asia. And God's like, no. And they try again and no, and they try again and no, and try again, and they end up all the way over near Europe. And when they're close to Europe, God says, okay, like, hey, go to Europe. Uh-huh. And they're like, ah, <laughs> we get it now. This whole time we've been trying to go to Asia and God wants us to go to Europe. He's like, no, I'm going to send Thomas to Asia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thomas has got this. You don't need to go there. Mm. He's got this. Now, of course, they do a tremendous amount of work in Asia as well. But... I don't know about you. I've had experiences like this where I've wanted to go here or wanted to go there or really wanted this. The doors just close up. Mm. It's like, nope. <laughs> Even though you really want it, Not for you. I want you here. Mm. And you some, sometimes shake your head and ask why, but you certainly learn why in the future. 